Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So this morning, I'm going to start off with something cheesy, so please do forgive me, right? But love is a beautiful feeling. Be cheesy with me. Love is a beautiful feeling. Thank you. I am not alone. You're just as cheesy as I am. But feelings, feelings make us do crazy things. We think of the feeling of, of being in love, right? Feelings have you looking at this person like they're perfect. Everything they do is amazing. The way they laugh is amazing. The way they walk is amazing. Every joke is the funniest joke you've ever heard, right? I've even heard someone say, I love the way she chews. (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) Right? But I know, I know this feeling. I know this feeling. These these feelings when I was when I was dating my my wife now um, are the ones that had me driving from Olympia to Rocky Crest multiple times a week, even as fuel went up. I kept going. Right? These feelings had me chewing through airtime like it's bubblegum right? on the phone. These feelings had me on the phone till 4 o'clock, knowing full well that I have to be up at 7 and loving it anyways. Right? Feelings can be incredible, but the one thing about feelings is uh, our feelings often lead us towards the path of least resistance. Right? We never feel like doing the thing that's tough, right? Going back to working out after you've not been, after you've not been working out for a very long time, you know what's coming. You know the soreness, and so every night you just put it off. Ah, I woke up at seven, not at six thirty like I wanted. So, the day's the day's over. I might as well not work out. Have you had those moments in your mind? Ah, I didn't eat in time. I'm supposed to go to karate today, but I ate at five, and if I go at six, I'm gonna have stitches. Then the workout is gonna be horrible. I wanna be at my best to give it my all. It's much easier to do what we feel like doing instead of what we should do, right? Path of least resistance. And we live in a world right now that prioritizes feelings over pretty much everything. Feelings over what is moral, feelings over what is right, feelings over what is true. We base our morality on how we feel. This feels right for me. We base our idea of what truth is based on that. Have you heard this term, my truth? It's the most annoying. Whenever I hear that term, I switch off in my mind and I have to say, God, Help me stick with this person who let those words come out of their mouth, right? But then in many ways, I do the same thing. I might not say those words, but there are times where I decide, no, 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 how I feel dictates how I should move forward, We also have decided that love is dependent on our feelings, right? That I love when I feel like it. The passage we are wrestling with today is um, Matthew chapter 10. Uh, We're going to start with, just stay in Matthew chapter 10. I'm reading from the NLT if you'd like to read along in that translation. 
uh, if you'd like to read along, along in another, that's up to you too. And I'm going to start with a, a reading from 10 verse 37 to 39. And the reason I say wrestle with this is because this is a difficult passage to hear, it's a difficult passage to teach, and it's a difficult passage to accept. So Matthew 10 verse 37 to 39. It says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And the context of this, of this passage is, is, is Jesus, as, as he's sharing, I mean, sending out his disciples, he tells them what they should do, what they should do when they come into the, the, the new place. They go to a house and see if they'll be accepted. If not, they uh, shake off dust as, as, uh, and continue going forward. But then he starts to tell them that this is going to be difficult. This is going to be real. This is going to be hard. And when he says this, I always think this is the opposite way of how we would initiate relationship. Jesus is saying, okay, you're about to start serving me. You're about to experience what it really is to walk with me. And if you know Jesus' command, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. So this is the beginning. This is the disciples beginning to love Jesus in a very practical way. They're taking the relationship to the next step, right? And I think it's, it's great that Jesus starts with, by telling them exactly what's going to happen. And I say it's the opposite of how we initiate relationship because normally when we try to initiate relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a platonic one, we try and give our best, right? You're not coming to someone saying, hello, I'm a liar. We don't do that and think that will attract someone, right? We give our best qualities. Sometimes we even show qualities that we don't even have, right? I remember such a time when I was, when I was in um, grade 10, I had this friend of mine, um, and on the Monday, he was smiling, and he said, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to be so happy. I said, okay. So I said, I'm, I'm going to tell you this at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, he walks home with me, because he was going to go back to soccer practice, but I lived close to Delta, where we went to school. So he would walk home with me, he would have lunch, and then go back to soccer practice. And as we're walking home, he says, I've got two dates for us on Friday, right? And he says, this girl that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a date with, she's gorgeous. And she said she would bring a friend for you who's just as gorgeous. But then he says, but there's a catch. There's a catch. They're in grade 11, and we're in grade 10. We can't let them know. I told them. We're actually in grade 12. I thought, why are you pushing it? Why didn't you just say grade 11? Let's be on equal footing at least. And he says, okay, you have to, you have to, you have to sell this lie. I say, okay, all right. So Friday came. We were supposed to go to a movie with these two young ladies. We dressed in our best, the clothes you don't usually wear. Some people will even go out and buy something specifically for a date, right? 
It's the beginning of the deception. Right? right? We even got haircuts the day before for this day. It's a time when I had a trim. Now I don't. <laughs> and so the trim is looking nice. We're looking good. We walk from Olympia to Marua Mall. And then we go to one of the bathrooms and we freshen up. We have to be our best. And then we pass by Stutterford's to try on cologne before our date. So we show up and we see, we first see his, his date coming around. They were at Centaurus at the hostel. So she comes around and she's gorgeous. Right? Not as gorgeous as my wife. I'm just saying that. <laughs> on the recording, she know. And then my date comes around and I think to myself, the deception went two ways. <laughs> right? So they come, and the two of them, my friend and his date, they're joking and they're flirting. And the two of us are just looking at, she probably thought the same thing too. She probably looked and was like, you said that he was going to be. <laughs> now he's this thin. Uh... <laughs> and then, the, but the deception continues. He talks to his date and then he comes to me. He says, Rico, we need to have a small conversation. They didn't bring money. So he had just enough for a movie ticket. I had enough for a movie ticket, my drink, and my popcorn. And we ended up paying for these two girls' tickets. I was very upset. Right? But that's what we do. We present our best. We even uh, present a cloak of deception over us right? to, to hope and pray that we're accepted. But Jesus does not do this. He tells them exactly what is going to happen. If you follow me, this is what's going to happen. In Matthew 10, verse 17 to 20, it says, But beware, for you'll be handed over to, to the courts, and you'll be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. It's not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. So he says, this is, this is how the relationship is going to be. As you love me, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be beaten and unfairly put on trial. It continues. It says, in Matthew 10, verse 21 to 22, it says, Your brother, a brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. All nations will hate you because you are my followers, and everyone who endures to the end, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Says Jesus says, even those who are closest to you, those you have known your whole life, those who are supposed to protect you, they're the ones that are going to hand you over to death or even kill you themselves. Uh, when I was in, in Cape Town, one day I was walking and there was a, a guy in a, in a parking lot and um, <clears throat> I was talking to this guy and he was a car guard in front of, of, of this church and we talked for a while and at some point he goes, are you a believer? 
I say yes. So we stand in this parking lot for the next three hours talking. And the next day he says, let me show you where I stay. And he takes me to a homeless shelter that is run by that church where he was guarding cars. And I meet a guy there, uh, a colored guy, I don't remember his name, but he was uh, a Muslim before. And the day he gave his life to Christ, he came back and he told his parents, I've given my life to Christ. I believe in Jesus, the son of God. And he said, they thought he was asleep, but he wasn't. And he heard his father saying to his brother that you're going to have to kill him to honor our family because he has dishonored Muhammad and he has dishonored Allah. And so he escaped at 15 years old and had been living in this shelter since. He had his own family plotting to kill him while he was in his sleep. And Jesus continues with the good news. 34, he says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came to, not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be in your own household. That they'll become your enemies. I remember uh, a guy in the church that I first went to in Cape Town, a guy called Anaclet, who was from somewhere in, in West Africa, and he said he hadn't spoken to his father in 20 years because his father was Muslim, and the day he gave his life to Christ, the father said, you need to leave the house. Because I love you, I'll give you this mercy that you leave the house and you can never come back again. You don't communicate with any of the family, and he, he has not spoken to, he's spoken to his mother, but at the time that I was there in Cape Town, which was in 2005, 2006, he had not spoken to his parents for 20 years to his father for 20 years. Can you imagine that? But this is what Jesus is calling us into. He's saying, if you love me, this is what's going to happen. And we can already see it. We can see uh, Christians who stand for the truth. They're persecuted. If you go on social media and you look at people who stand for the fundamental Christian views, biblical views, what are we called? Uh, we're called bigots. Uh, we're called ignorant. It's a difficult time and it's not going to get any easier. So we come back to, to the, the, the chunk of scripture we started with. It says, if you love your father and mother more than me, if you, if you love your father more than me, your mother more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. The first time I read this, I remember as a new believer, I was thinking about this from a, from a feelings perspective. So I need to have, a, have more feeling for my mom, for, for God than for my mom. That feeling of love. I said, okay, I just need to build up this feeling. I just need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. And that feeling will come, right? And I think it's very unrealistic, especially at the beginning of your faith, to think that that's going to happen just like this, that this feeling is going to come just like that. And, and I experienced extreme joy and a love for God that I never had before when I gave my life to Christ. But that feeling, I don't know if it would match how I felt about my mom, right? 
because I've known my mom my whole life. I get to speak to my mom. Um, my mom is the reason I joke and laugh a lot because my mom jokes and laughs a lot. My mom, I, I still remember sitting at, at our grandfather's funeral and my mom, this guy comes on and he starts speaking with a mix of a Kenyan and American accent. It was the best thing you have ever heard. And I look back at my mom and my mom is like this, shaking. And I love my mom because of that. The feeling that I have when I'm with my mom, that, and I'm, I'm saying the feeling, the emotion, That goes beyond my feeling and emotion for God. But love goes beyond our feelings. Real love goes beyond our feelings. And a lot of times, to live out love, you have to go against what you feel. I have a, an example. When you're married, you have a lot of these examples of not doing things that you want to do, but because you love, you do it. Uh, I remember a time where we had eaten dinner not too long ago, probably last year. We'd, or I had eaten dinner, and I said to Jen, don't you want to eat? She goes, no, I'm okay. Eating, 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 I finish it. I say, hey, we're going to go to bed soon. Don't you want to eat? She's like, no, I'm all right. I'll be good. I said, you're going to get hungry during the night, and then you're going to get up and want to eat. She goes, no, you think you know me? We always throw these things back and forth. You think you know me? And then I say, you're not the boss of me. I say that all the time. It's a, it's a game sometimes. <laughs> but at, um, at 10.30, we decide, okay, we're going to go sleep now. And I drift off into the most wonderful sleep. At 1.30, shaking. I want to go make a sandwich. <laughs> and I say, okay, go for it. She goes, will you come with me? I stay quiet for a bit. And I do a sigh. Because you, you have to express the disapproval. You have to. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you might as, she might as well know. I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do this because I love you. And so we go and she makes a sandwich and she comes and she switches on the light by a couch and I say, switch that thing off, please. She comes, she sits next to me and I'm still there, you know when you're trying to close your eyes so you don't lose the sleep? So the sleep still stays there somehow. And the next day she posted it, that, that story, because she thought it was very funny. And someone said, man, that guy really does love you. In that moment, I did not. <laughs> I did not feel it. I did not feel the love. But because I love her, I will sit when I'm trying to preserve my sleep at 1.30 and sit next to her eating a sandwich. That day, I did not like the way she chewed. <laughs> uh, Paul Gunning so wonderfully said this last week, and it really struck me. Is he here today? No? Okay, you guys are representing him today. <laughs> but he said that often our unbelief doesn't come from our mind, but from our emotions. And I think the thing of this, 
called to love Jesus, a lot of the times we're fighting our emotion, just like with unbelief. We're fighting what we feel, what we want right now. The number of things that we fight, a number of feelings that we fight, there are many more. I'm just going to list a few. To love Jesus, we have to fight feelings that crave to satisfy our own comfort. What Jesus is calling us to do, how he's calling us to live, will often take us out of what is comfortable for us. Love your enemy. We fight feelings of wanting to get instant gratification. As I pray, God, I want this and I want this right now. And if you don't do something about it, I will. We fight feelings of wanting to protect ourselves, self-protection. I don't want to share my faith because if I do, these people are going to disassociate from me. If I share my faith, I might not get good marks from this lecturer. I've actually heard that happen. If I share my faith here, I might not get a promotion. We fight feelings of wanting to control everything. Right? That's one of my biggest problems. Right? One of the biggest issues with me is I keep trying to take back control from God. I want to know that I'm in control. I steer this ship. I am the captain of this ship. We fight feelings of fulfilling our lust for many things, whether it's physical lust or lust for money or lust for power. Here's a big one. We fight our own feelings wanting to get acceptance. We want to be part of a tribe, part of a people, part of a group, part of a family. But Jesus tells us here, if you love me, and as you obey me, as you love me, you will be separated from people. You'll have to deny yourself. He says, if you don't take up your cross and follow me. The cross is a cross of, of suffering. And one of the worst sufferings I feel is the, the suffering of, of us fighting our own temptation. It's really the worst. It's like something scratching away on the inside of you. And you fight, and you fight, and you fight, and you fight. And it never ends. And we will fight this until the day that we die. So the question I think we need to ask is, is especially when you think about something like Jesus saying, if you love your father or mother more than me, it's not a comparison of that feeling, of that emotion. It's a knowledge of who God is, and asking yourself this, is he worth it? Is he worth me maybe losing my family over? Is he worth me fighting my own desire? Is he worth me giving control to, giving my whole life over to him? Is he worth it? Is he worthy? That's the question we need to ask. When Jesus is saying this to his disciples, 
is your action of love gonna stand against your feelings in those moments? So I wanna ask the question to you, is he worth it? Is he worth it? In every area of your life, as a believer, I wanna ask this to the believers, is he worth it? I often have to look, look at my own life and I realize if I'm not obeying here, it's because in some way I've let my feelings dictate how I live in this area. I've decided that how I feel and how I want to feel is more important, more true, more right than what God is saying. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of that kind of love, that action? For those of you who are not believers, I think this is incredible. Right? Jesus says to you, he presents the very worst and says, but I want you to love me. And he does this because he did this first. Like we're about to, to celebrate Easter. And we know on, on Easter Friday, we, we think of his death and how he suffered. Jesus did not feel like doing that. We know the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying, it's stressing him out so much that he's sweating blood. And what are his words? Lord, if you can, may this cup pass from me. In other words, I don't want what's coming. I know how much this is going to hurt. Physically and the disconnection that's going to happen as you turn your face away from me. As the sin of the world is put on my shoulders. As I am mocked and beaten even though I am innocent. As I'm put on trial by the people that I healed the people that I preach the good news to, maybe even some that I raised from the dead. He did it first. He suffered all the shame. He suffered torture from people, insult from those who should have been his subjects and those who loved him the most. It says even his, his brothers, as he was, as he was preaching, his brothers rejected who he was. They didn't trust that he was the Christ. And Jesus said, for the joy set before me, it is worth it. To honor my Father in heaven, it is worth it. I'm going to push away how I feel right now because it is worth it. And it's also worth it because I'm going to save many that I love, my creation that I love from their destruction. That he says, I love you enough that I gave my life. That was worth it. So Jesus said, says that to us. And the thing that's incredible about that is, I could understand someone sacrificing for me when I had something to give back. Right? I think of, of um, Mother's Day or Father's Day or or Valentine's Day, right? When you prepare a meal for your parents as a child, right? We all know that meal was nonsense, but they ate it anyways, right? But we're giving a gift to someone who gave us gifts all the time, who give us gifts all the time and will continue. On Valentine's Day, when we cook a meal for, 
for our partner, they reciprocate love. But as Jesus was sacrificing his own life, he was giving his life for people who could do nothing for him. Jesus needs nothing from us. There is nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can add to who he is. And every work that he asks us to participate in, he can do himself. So that adds even more. And he says, he said it was still worth it. So for those of you who don't know Jesus, I want you to know that that's how much Jesus loves you. And all of this, all of the suffering that we will experience here is worth it. I have experienced his comfort in loss. I was sitting and, uh, and um, we went to my, for my grandfather's funeral. Every one of my siblings had been there more recently than I had. And I sat there on top of grief with guilt because I felt like I should have made it here. I should have seen him. And God spoke comfort in those moments. And he said, you couldn't. You weren't able to. Release this guilt and let me comfort you. I've experienced incredible joy in the midst of many struggles. I've experienced his provision when I have nothing. I've experienced God giving me more family and I look out at this family that I have here. So many loves, so many experiences. I would not have met my wife if I didn't know who Jesus was. I've experienced his grace again and again and again when I sin against him. I experienced Jesus patiently chipping away at my ugly habits and hammering away my mountains of sin against him. And I have certainty that when I die, I'm in the hands of the one who saved me, the most undeserving one. And that's what I have to look forward to. So is it worth it? Yes, 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 100% yes. So as we, as we close, uh, for those of us who are believers, let's come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for not treating you like you're worthy in this area of my life or that area of my life. I'm sorry for putting my feelings in front of loving you and obeying you. I'm sorry for chasing after my own desire, my own lust, my own thing, keeping my control instead of loving you, who gave up everything for me. And for those of you who, who don't know Jesus, who haven't made this, this choice to follow him, he is worth it. He is worthy. All these things I have listed and even more, give you purpose for every day, incredible joy as you suffer in following him. He'll give you peace in situations where you should have no peace. He'll provide for you. You will feel his delight. There have been times, and this is something that I struggle with uh, because of a, of a tough, tough relationship with my own dad, of thinking, 
does God actually love me? Does he enjoy me? My wife says all the time, God thinks I'm the funniest. I'm his funniest child. I have always struggled with that. Does God even like me? And many times when I have asked, I have felt God's pleasure. Not because I've done anything right, because God in that moment says, you are my child and I want you to know that you are loved. So for those of you who don't know Christ, that is what is waiting for you. Let's close our time in prayer. And we all know where we are and what we need to say to Jesus. And if you make a choice to follow him, please do come and speak to us. It's very easy. You just say to Jesus, Jesus, you admit that you're a sinner. And you say that you are Lord and you say, I will give my life over to you. And I will accept everything that comes with it. Suffering is part and parcel of it. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us. That you sacrificed. That uh, you went through and endured pain. That you are tortured by the same people that you came to save. Lord Jesus, that the night before you said, I don't feel like this. I don't want this, but I will. Because you loved, because you loved your father, and because you loved us. Thank you, Jesus, for how you continue to love us. It cannot be easy. A people that you are chasing after, after you saved, because we run off in our own directions all the time. Thank you, Jesus, for how you love. And you are 100% worthy of us giving our lives over for. That you are worthy of us potentially losing the closest people we have. That you are worthy of us suffering physical violence or, or, or suffering emotional abuse from others because we follow you. That you are worthy of us handing over all control. To say, God, this life is yours. Not mine, but yours. Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to those who are seeking you today. Your goodness is evident in the text. That you loved first. So I pray that you draw those to you. And thank you, Jesus, for mercy and grace. That as we stand here as a people who constantly do not love you the way you've called us to. That you constantly forgive and love us. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.